Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. So now we're here in Judges chapter 1. It's kind of like the sequel to Joshua. It's about the continuing conquest of the Israelites. And after the death of Joshua, because Joshua had just passed away and at the closing of the book of Joshua, we're now in Judges. It's a continuation of the story. So the judges, who were the judges? The judges were, were those people who had national leadership authority over Israel, which included military command. Now, I always like to think of the judges as being like the president of the United States, except judges had executive and judicial powers. And judges takes place from the time of the death of Joshua until King Saul's coronation. Now, at this point in history, Joshua's leadership under God had pretty much broken the backs of the Canaanites, but there's still a bunch of them that are scattered all over Israel And the Canaanites were supposed to be conquered. God told them to go conquer the people and get them out of the land because he was giving them this land. This was their land. And so that's why Joshua, in the the latter end of the book of Joshua, it's why Joshua spent his last days trying to get the Israelites to stick close to God so that they could finish the conquest of the land. You got to, if you're going to overcome your enemies, and go through the trials and the things that come against you. You've got to stick close to God. And that's what Joshua really pushed the people to do. But there's going to be a lot of falling away. There's going to be a lot of problems coming uh, in the future here for the Israelites. Now, the purpose of the book of Judges is to show us how God's judgment falls on those who turn away from him. But we'll see that Israel's falling away is going to lead them I'm sorry, he's going to lead to them to see that instead of judges, they're going to need a king. They're going to need a king to rule in Israel. And what's neat about that, going from judges to seeing the need for a king, is that this is going to activate prophecy, prophecy towards King Jesus, who's coming to sit on his throne in Israel. So basically in Judges, what we're going to see is that when man messes up, God sends a savior to the rescue. Isn't that good? So Judges chapter 1, the continuing conquest of Canaan, verse 1. Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. So, Okay, back in the previous book of Joshua, if you would read Joshua, it's kind of like you need to read Joshua first before coming into Judges. Joshua was pushing the Israelites to trust in the Lord or else they would have zero hope of taking out their enemy. And so it's evident now 
that their desire to fight the Canaanites is now harmonized together into some unity here. The reason we know this is because the children of Israel are here collectively. They're asking the Lord how to do it. (laughs) Joshua said, stick close to God, stick close to God. So as we just saw in verse 1, it says, they asked, who shall be first? They asked the Lord, who goes up to the, against the Canaanites? That's good. So the Lord actually answered, though. That's neat. That's what happened. The Lord answered them. They asked, and he answered. Friend, let me pause here for a minute to remind you that when you ask God in, in prayer how to do something, he'll answer you. But you got to go to him faithfully and in belief and an obedient, repentant heart about it. You can't live your life your own way and just foul around and do all these living like the devil things, and then, oh, suddenly I need God all of a sudden. Let me go ask him what to do. You're probably going to have a hard time hearing, but they are, are kind of getting into shape here. Joshua kind of whooped them into shape a little bit. So he, they asked the Lord, how do we do this? And he actually told them how to do it. He gave them instructions. He said, send Judah, send Judah up. And so when God said, send Judah, it kind of makes me wonder, of all the tribes, why did God choose Judah? Well, this comes back from Genesis 49, verse 8. It says, Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. So here you go, way before the time that we're in here in in the book of Judges, way before. Jacob here in Genesis, he predicted a fierce lion-like dominance that Judah would have over their enemies and that Judah's brothers would praise him for it. And so God is ordering to use the big guns. Pull out your big guns. So Israel asked in Judges 1, who do we send up to take the Canaanites out? And God says, hey, you send Judah up because they their hand shall be on the neck of their enemies. And the, Judah, Judah is going to be a tough, tough tribe. So that's why God said, send Judah. It lines up with what was prophesied. And God is going to make sure that prophecy is what is to be fulfilled. Now in Judges 1, 3, verse 3. So, Ju- so Judah said to his Simeon, his brother, come up with me to my allotted territory that we may fight against the Canaanites and I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. So why did, okay, again, here's my questioning. Why did Judah ask Simeon to come along? Let's remember back to the inheritances of each tribe. If you remember, the tribe of Simeon's inheritance was set with inside, within the territory of Judah, there at the, at the south end of the land. Judah had their ter- territory given, and Simeon had their territory inside. It's like a little island inside, a, 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 uh, an island inside the middle of their territory. They're in the middle. And so it makes total sense why Judah would ask Simeon to come along, because they're pretty much going to be fighting for the same territory, the same region together. And so it's a good shared strategy for the both of these tribes to go together. And that's why they went together. Hey, come with us, and then we'll turn and go with you. You help us fight for our area, we'll help you fight for your area, because their area was all in the same spot. So Judges 1, verse 4. Then Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Parasites into their hand, and they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. And they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek, and fought against him, and they defeated the Canaanites and the Parasites. Then Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued him, and they caught him, and cut off his thumbs and big toes. 
And Adonai Bezek said, 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to gather scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. Then they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. And so look what happened. When you do thing God when you do something God's way, it works. That's that's pretty much what happened. When you do it God's way, it works. Because they totally dominated these guys. They beat them. Now, God did not command Israel to cut off Adonai Bezek's thumbs and toes, big toes, but that's what they did to him anyway. Now I'm sure God didn't maybe he didn't command it or condone it. But it's interesting how it just happened to be the exact same cruelty that Adonai Bezek had been doing to 70 other kings over a long period of time. Now, why would he have done this to them? Why cut off their thumbs and big toe? What's the point? Why do that? Cutting off somebody's thumbs would prevent them from being able to hold a weapon to fight and battle with. And so cutting off the big toe meant they could not have a solid footing in combat. They couldn't stand in combat. They couldn't hold a weapon in combat. It would disable the king from being able to fight. And so the major function of a king is to lead his people into battle and, and, to, and, and to fight in, in combat like that, to lead the people into, into war. And so this kind of an act of barbarism like this, to cut off thumbs and, and big toes like that, would render the king's position pretty much utterly useless. And basically, it would kind of disqualify him from royalty, from his royal position. And so God dealt back upon Adonai Bezek for the cruelty that he had put onto others. He he did this to other kings, and God paid him back, and Adonai Bezek even admitted it. So we see, we see two major things going on. You don't do things God's way, you do it wrong, cruel, evil, you're going to get in trouble. But if you do things God's way, you'll have success. Pretty simple equation, if you ask me. So we're learning some good stuff here in Judges 1. Now Judges 1 verse 8. Now the children of Judah fought against Jerusalem and took it. They struck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. And afterward, the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountains in the south and in the lowland. Then Judah went against the Canaanites who dwelt in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kirjath Arba, and they killed Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai. From there they went against the inhabitants of Debir. The name of Debir was formerly Kirjath Sefer. Okay, so here we see some continued success in getting the rest of the enemy out of the land. And now this next segment is a story that you may have probably already heard before. If you've, especially if you have read Joshua, you've heard this before, but here it is again in the Bible in Judges 1 and 12. Then Caleb said, whoever attacks Kirjath Sefer and takes it to him, I will give my daughter, Aksa, as wife, and Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's bro- younger brother, took it. So he gave him his daughter, Aksa, as wife. Now it happened when she came to him that she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you wish? So she said to him, Give me a blessing. Since you have given me land in the south, give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Okay, so we've read this exact same story already. It was this almost exactly word for word is in Joshua 15. 
So, you know, obviously you want to ask a question, why am I seeing this again? Uh, why is it written again? Does it mean that it happened again? No, this didn't happen twice. Is this some sort of a chronological error? I mean, when did it happen? You know, a lot of people say, well, all this same story is in the Bible twice. That, that must be an error. And the skeptics will use things like this to say, oh, look, there's error in the Bible. Now you can't, you can't trust anything the Bible says. No, that's not true either. But, you know, we did read that it happened back in Joshua 15 before Joshua died, or did it happen here now after Joshua died? What's the deal? Well, it helps us to understand a little more about Othniel, who he is, who Othniel is. We are not in the times of the judges, and Othniel is Israel's very first judge. I'm sorry, we are in the times of the judges, the, the book of Judges. Othniel is Israel's very first judge. And not only is Othniel Caleb's nephew, but he is also from the tribe of Judah. Uh-oh, look at this. We just heard about Judah, how Judah is the fierce lion that's going to go out and get him. And, well, we're being reminded about another guy from Judah. So since we're now in a setting where it's important to see the lion-like tribe of Judah, the fierceness of Judah going out to war, we are in need of being reminded of Othniel's God-given strength for fighting battles here. So we have this story of Othniel and Oxa again. So we have to realize that back in ancient times, people did not have a fully compiled biblical canon book of all the collected books together in one binding like we have today, where you can go from Genesis to Revelation. Well, obviously back then they didn't have the New Testament, but they didn't have all the books together in one collection. There would have been a lot of copies of the book of Judges going around. There would have been a lot of copies of, say, the the book of Joshua going around. But maybe there were some people who didn't have both. Maybe somebody had Judges only. Maybe there were people who had Joshua only. But for the people who had judges only, it was very important for the people to be informed of what Othniel, the first judge, did back in the book of Joshua, if in case they did not happen to have a copy of the book of Joshua. It's a reminder, so to speak. It's kind of like how movie sequels work. If you've ever watched Star Trek II, I'm a Trekkie guy, I love Star Trek. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Now, I'm not blowing any spoilers here because those movies are almost 40 years old. But The Wrath of God, you'll see that Spock, Mr. Spock, dies at the end. Now, if you were to go to watch Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, the movie opens with the scene of Spock dying from the previous movie. Now, this does not mean that Spock died twice. But what they did is they put the death scene from the previous movie at the beginning of Star Trek Three so that you can know what happened in case you never got to see Star Trek 2. So let's say you saw Star Trek 2, you loved it, I want to go see Star Trek 3 now, and you want to take a friend with you, and he goes, well, I've never seen Star Trek 2 before, but I'll go anyway. You have that reminder set in at the, at the beginning of Star Trek 3 to remind you what happened that Spock died, okay? That's just a helper for a sequel movie, to remind you of what happened so that you know how to go on, because it's relevant to the story that you're about to get into. And so the reason we're seeing this story of Othniel and Oxa again is not because it happened again or not because there's a chronological error in the Bible, but because Othniel is the first judge and his supreme tribe of Judah battle skills are pivotal 
to what's going to happen later in chapter 3 in the book of Judges. We need to know this information. So it's kind of like we're being reminded of what happened in the other book of Joshua. Because uh, later in chapter 3, it's going to have a lot to do with Othniel. Uh, let me tell you, J- Judges 3, verse 9, looking ahead real quick. It says, When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz. And so this is why we're being reminded of Othniel from the prequel, (laughs) the book of Joshua, because he plays a major role for Israel in the book of Judges. Now, I wanted to lay all this out on why we're seeing Othniel's same story for a second time, because you'd be amazed at what unbelievers do with things like this from the Bible. They try to make the Bible seem untrustworthy because, oh, look, it's full of errors. You know, we we just had this, this story and Joshua, now here it is again, oh, something's wrong, I can't trust it. And, and if you're not prepared on how to answer them, they'll own you. You need to be able to explain these kinds of things to them. And so it just takes simple observation. Christian, let me tell you one thing up front. It takes reading. If you're not reading your Bible, you don't really love God. I had a pro- Bible professor tell me this, and I thought, no, that can't be right. But after thinking about it, It really makes sense. If you don't read your Bible, you don't really love God. If you don't spend time pursuing to know who he is, who he says he is, to get to know him and his word, the word that he has given to you, if you just don't care, well, then you don't love him. If you love your Lord, the Lord, your God, you're going to spend time pursuing to know him, who he says he is in his word. And so it just takes a little simple observation a bu- guys, you got to read the Bible. I have no other way to put it. You've got to read the Bible. If you're a real believer in Messiah Jesus, you have committed your life to him. Oh, I've committed my life to Jesus. And you don't even read the Bible? Something's wrong with that. But it you got to read. If you read and observe, then everything is easily understood. It's not a problem in the pages here. And again, sorry for those of you who have not seen Star Trek 2 and 3. Uh, I don't feel like I really gave any spoilers out because those movies are only about 40 years old. I figured if you haven't seen it by now, you're probably not going to. But I recommend you watch them. They're pretty cool. Anyway, let's move on. Judges 1 and 16. Now the children of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up from the city of Palms with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the south near Arad. And they went and dwelt among the people. Now, these Kenite people, very interesting. They are Jethro's descendants, Jethro's Moses' father-in-law. They are at this time living in the city of Palms area. Now, it's not clearly stated why, but they decided to move, and they wanted to go join the people of Judah and live with them. Now, back in Numbers 10, I did a little digging. Moses tried to get his father-in-law, Jethro, to come with him, to the promised land. And he said to him in Numbers 10, verse 32, it says, And it shall be, if you go with us, indeed it shall be, that whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same we will do to you. Now, for whatever reason, Jethro did not want to go with Moses. He went his own way. Now, it could be that by this time now here in the book of Judges, Jethro's descendants know about this invitation to join in And so that could be the reason why they chose to move from the city of Palms, because they wanted to be included in the blessing of the Lord along with the tribe of Judah. They're hearing, they've probably been hearing good things that the Israelites have been doing, and they thought, hey, this is better than what we got going here. Why don't we get involved in this? 
Hey, didn't didn't our uh, didn't Jethro get invited to partake? And if he did, that we'd share in the blessings. I, hey, I want that. So here come the Jude, the, the tribe of Judah, and they say, Hey, let's get out of the city of Palms and and uh, let, let's go. So that could be why that went down like that. Now Judges one and seventeen, uh, seventeen, and Judah went with his brother Simeon. And they attacked the Canaanites who inhabited Ziphath and utterly destroyed it. So the name of the city was called Hormah. Okay, so Judah, remember, they had asked Simeon to go with them in verse 3. But now here in verse 17, Judah is now going with Simeon. So they went with, they are going with Simeon. And so together they're cleaning up the land. The city being called Hormah here, it says. Hormah means devoted uh, devotion or destruction. You could say either way. They destroyed the Canaanites, and now it's been devoted to God. So that's why it gives us the name was called Horma, because they destroyed it, and now it's devoted to God. So let's take a quick look here now at what we have in Judges 1 so far. So far, you've got the Kenites. They want God's blessing, and so they chose to move to go along with the tribe of Judah. Okay, we want God's blessing. We're going to go that way, the direction that God has his people going. Now, that was a conscious decision to do that. We need to leave where we were, and we need to follow the blessing because we want to be part of it, okay? But then there's Adonai Bezek, who was evil, and so God executed judgment on him, and it wasn't nice, but God did this to him. And Adonai Bezek even admitted it. He said, as I have done, so God has repaid me. So what you have in this book here in Judges 1, at the beginning of Judges 1, you've got two different types of people here. You've got those who turn from their ways in order to follow God to receive a blessing, because remember, the Kenites had to leave. They had to walk away from the city of Palms to get their blessing. But then you've got those who won't leave their former place. They are stubbornly turned away from God, and they're doing evil. And guess what they get? They get judgment. So guys, there's two different people I've seen in this book here. You got your judgment getters and your blessing getters. Now, I know everybody I'm talking to, if I was to give you the choice, you would say, oh, I want to get the blessing. Okay, pretty much everybody says that. But are you willing to leave where you were? That's the, that's the difference here with people. Most people, they will all tell you, I want the blessing, I want the blessing. But most people will not leave where they've always been. And therein is the problem. There is a word that talks about leaving where you were, and that word is called repentance, and people hate that word. They hate it. They don't even like hearing anybody else talking about it. Lord, just give me the blessing, but I'm staying where I'm at. No, it's not going to work like that. You have to repent and turn away from your old life. Friend, I'm I'm telling you what the Bible says. And especially those of you who claim to be a Christian, but you never read the Bible, please listen to what I'm saying. The Bible says that you must repent from your old life, like the Kenites did. You have to leave where you are. You've got to leave your city of palms if you want to follow God and get the blessing. Because the alternative to the blessing and the alternative to salvation is judgment. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.